we have between 40 and 50 million Americans that experience food insecurity. Now, these are families, these are single parents. But basically what we do is we capture food excess and food surplus from grocery stores, restaurants, wholesalers, even farmers, and we transport that food to hunger relief organizations all across the city. We work with tons of food banks and uh, yeah, our main mission is to just get food from point A to point B before it goes to waste. I believe that love is all around us. Love is everything and everywhere. I am love. You are love. We are all love. In our divinity, in our soul, in the truest and simplest form of our being, we are pure, unconditional love. Love is the answer to everything. Every week in this podcast, we're talking to incredible and beautiful people who will be sharing their insights and perspectives to help you find more peace to help you come from a place of love more often, to help encourage you to be kinder to yourself and others, to help you create more happiness in your life, to help you feel more oneness with others, and to help you connect to your higher self. My name is Justin Court. Together, we will help shift the collective consciousness of the planet to be more loving, kind, peaceful, happy, empathetic, understanding, and accepting. This can only be achieved together. It starts with each and every one of us. We are one, and it's time we start acting that way. I am so, so grateful that you're here. I love you, I support you, and I'm here for you. Let's together create more love in this world. Let's do this. Today's guest is Evan Ellers. He's the founder of the nonprofit Sharing Excess. Evan really helped open my eyes to the food crisis issue that is happening right now, which impacts so many people. Sharing Excess aims to address the crucial need for food by delivering regular surplus from grocers, restaurants, wholesalers, and farmers to communities experiencing food insecurity. Him and his team play a unique role in regularly rescuing and distributing food excess to undeserved areas. He shares some stats that blew my mind. In the U.S., nearly 40% of the food we produce goes to waste. That's approximately 120 billion pounds of food ending up in landfills each year which is enough to fill more than 700 NFL stadiums from the ground to the very top with uneaten food. These numbers are staggering. In the episode, Evan talks about what his team is doing now and what we all can do to help combat this food crisis. All right, my man, Evan, welcome to the podcast, buddy. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Yes. Uh, this is so cool. So me and Evan were actually introduced by uh, my first cousin. I was back in New York um, doing some family stuff and we just got to talking and she had mentioned Evan and how awesome he is and this really great uh, organization that he started. Uh, and the name of the organization is called Sharing Excess. Right? That's right. Yeah, buddy. And it, it's a nonprofit, correct? Yep, that's correct. 
Awesome. So Evan, this is I, I'm I'm really stoked to uh, to just help bring a little bit more awareness to Evan and his organization and what he's doing. So Evan, if you could just give people just a quick uh, background and understanding of what Sharing Excess is. Sure. Yeah. So uh, at Sharing Excess, we connect colleges and communities to reduce food waste and hunger. Uh, and this is a nonprofit that I started as a student um, when I was going to school in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Drexel University. Um, but basically what we do is we capture food excess and food surplus from grocery stores, restaurants, wholesalers, even farmers. And we transport that food to hunger relief organizations all across the city. We work with tons of food banks and uh yeah, our main mission is to just get food from point A to point B before it goes to waste. Nice, man. And did you? Did, it started at Drexler in college? Yeah, that's right. I started it actually as a meal swipe donation program. Um, I, funny enough, had like a ton of leftover meal swipes that I didn't end up using at mm. the end of my term right before we were leaving uh, for home. And I had this sort of pit in my stomach that all of the meals that were in my account were going to go to waste. And I made a spur of the moment decision to swipe them out and put them in my car and drive to Center City and give them out. And uh, long story short, this day changed my life forever. I realized how much personal food excess I had and what better use that could be having out in the community. In about 30 minutes or less, all the food was gone from the back of my car and um, it was both one of the saddest days and one of the happiest days of my life. And it was, you know, a problem that I saw in my own community and something that I could, you know, attach myself to. And um, it has bloomed into something that I never would have imagined from there. So cool, man. What, um, what grade were you in when you were leaving that year? Was that senior so, year? Uh, yeah, it was a, I was a third year. Yeah. At Drexel. So, um, you know, I, I was able to even still work on it while I was going through classes. Awesome, man. And then, so is that, that's how it started. It started with college and you taking the excess food, the food swipes, um, or your meal swipes, I'm sorry. And that's how it originated, correct? Yeah, that's right. Got it. And then were you just doing it with colleges taking your excess meal swipes or even their excess food? It was at the first kind of initial stage. Yeah. So after that first day of when I had the 50 meal swipes that I donated uh, just by taking it out uh, into the city and driving it with my car. I went back to the university and I really advocated with just any, any professors that I could find that could help me talk to some of the leadership at the university to make a, a statement that this is something that every single student should be allowed to do. You know, I was not the only one that had leftover meal swipes. Um, all of my friends basically had some account balance left over and um, it just kind of seemed like a no brainer that mm. these you know, students paid for these meals already. So why couldn't they have the autonomy to give them away if they'd like to? Um, so that conversation, it took a long time for, you know, an institution to agree, like, yes, we need to, um, you know, listen to the students and kind of like take a loss on profits in order to allow for students to donate because essentially, you know, leftover meal swipes are, um, our profit, right? So um, we had our first sort of like business case scenario of, you know, here's an institution that we have to partner with if we want to make this work. And that's when I realized that I had to form an organization. I had to form a nonprofit to formally partner with the university um, and, and actually make this a, a more formalized thing rather than just some student that's trying to be Robin Hood taking meals from the university and giving it out. Um, 
So that's that's when uh, we went the route of, of becoming incorporated and, and getting our, our own uh, sponsorship so that we can we can formally partner with the university. Got it. And how long now has sharing excess uh, been going for? Yeah, so uh, we've been uh, operating for just over three years now, and we've uh, moved a long way since meal swipes. Um, so when we originally started forming the idea, we actually were able to get some funding from the university to uh, start to take this idea to the next level. Um, and it was at that time that I started to get calls from local grocery stores and restaurants where um, it was just me and my roommate at the time. We were getting calls from our friends who were working at those grocery stores and restaurants as cashiers and waiters and waitresses. And they would see food waste happening just where they were working on a regular basis. And even though it wasn't meal swipes, they still had this inkling to give us a call to see if there was anything we could do about it. And we kind of just said yes to the opportunity. We, you know, we're here sitting on campus trying to focus in on meal swipes, but here's this opportunity literally calling um, where it's a grocery store that's about to, you know, Trader Joe's literally just a few blocks away was about to throw out, um, you know, hundreds of pounds of food from their loading dock. And uh, we found, we literally just Googled the nearest shelter that we could take the food to. And we called them and confirmed that they could make good use of the food that day. And um, literally just got in our cars, filled it up, and drove it over to uh, Sunday Breakfast Rescue Mission on 13th and Vine in, in Philadelphia. And um, they used that food that day to feed their entire shelter, um, you know, 100, 200 plus people. And it felt just like that first day with the meal swipes, only it was a different opportunity. It was still the same concept, though. And that's where, you know, the name Sharing Excess came from. We realized, okay, this is you know, kind of like a general concept here. There seems to be food excess in a lot of different places, not just meal swipes on campus. Dude, this is so awesome. <laughs> I get so excited about this because um, lack of food is obviously a, a massive problem in the, across the entire world. Right. So That's the right. fact, right, food waste, whew, it, it, it gets under my skin. You know what I mean? It's just something that... It's really tough. We have all these people who are starving, who don't have food, who who maybe poor or homeless or, or whatever along the gamut. And for one, they don't have enough food. And then we have all this excess food that is just going to waste and going nowhere else. Exactly. It's like a broken equation. There's yeah. literally more than 40% of our food supply that goes to waste. It accounts to over 120 billion pounds of completely edible food. You could fill over 700 football stadiums with the amount of leftover food that could have been eaten that goes into landfills each year. And at the same time, we have between 40 and 50 million Americans that experience food insecurity. You know, these are families. These are single parents. Um, food insecurity is something that affects people who are, are not homeless, right? People who are going to school, people who even have full-time jobs. Um, it's it's a very tricky scenario when you know you're living paycheck to paycheck, and between 50 to 60 percent of the U.S. population lives paycheck to paycheck. Um, the moment that one unexpected financial circumstance happens, you know, food is often the very first basic necessity to be jeopardized. Mm. So, like you're saying, we got this insane you know problem where we're wasting food that's costing money and it's creating environmental damage. Food waste accounts for about 8% of global greenhouse gas emissions with CO2 and methane gas. So um, it, it's literally, 
one problem that could be solving the other. And it's mainly a logistical problem and it's dirty work. Um, and a lot of people don't really want to get involved in it because there's not so much of a profit margin. So um, that's that's why we, we really see it as a worthy problem to attach ourselves to. Absolutely, man. I mean, right, food is what we need to survive. We literally yeah. cannot live without food. And it's just so beautiful, man. The people who are struggling, no matter what situation that they're in, who in that moment cannot afford to potentially buy themselves or their family food. Like in this moment, I'm just going to be so, so grateful that I have the ability to to buy food. Yeah. Because that is something I need to bring my awareness to more often, right? And yeah. I think anyone listening right now who can afford food easily, has never really thought twice about where your next meal is going to come. Let's all take this moment right now and just be super grateful for where we are and that we have that ability because that is so huge for us. And it's something, again, that can be just so easily taken for granted. Totally, Justin. Like exactly what you're saying. You know, food is that basic unit of life and it connects us, it bonds us. And without it, it's so hard to even focus on anything else. And, you know, you're talking about developmental nutrition and um, a lot of times food insecurity tends to be the root cause to a lot of problems down the line, whether that's health related or even mental health, um, just starting your day off correctly and, and even having just the physical energy and capacity to do what you need to do to be successful can be jeopardized by having a lack of, of secure food, right? So um, yeah, food is that, that basic unit of life that connects us. And that's something that I've, I've found to be so, so cool about sharing excess is we're not just like in the food space, we connect out to everywhere and people that are in all different walks of life because we all really can find this common ground and human bond just in that basic unit of life with food. I mean, right. Food is literally our energy. Yeah. It's like you're providing, and that's so true. You like how you said it kind of trickles down where it really affects people on such a level where it's like, if you don't have food and you can't eat, you have no energy. So that just affects the rest of your life and the rest of your day about getting even like anything done. Exactly. So the fact that, man, that you're able to give people this incredible gift, the gift of food is, I just, uh, I'm just, I'm so excited that organizations like yours exist. Thank you. Uh, and I'm just, I'm so grateful that my cousin put us in, in contact because people like you and organizations like this need to, need to be known more, right? We need to give more awareness to situations like this because these are the things that are super important that are going to help transform our world, exactly. right? And helping others is one of the most fulfilling most beautiful things that we can do as people. When we can give as opposed to just receiving, it, it really creates one of the most magnificent energies that I feel like exists in this world. And yeah. right can be so fulfilling and makes such a monster difference for people. Um, and Evan, in the food that you guys are getting, so I'm just very curious how like the whole process works, sure. right? So the food that you're getting, why is this is the store not willing to sell that food? Yeah, that's a great question. So all the food that we accept, just first and foremost, is completely edible. All food that we would personally eat ourselves. We don't accept any food that we wouldn't personally eat or we think is respectful or anything that anyone deserves to eat. Um, 
what we tend to get is a lot of produce. We get between 60 and 75% produce. Um, and what ends up happening with produce is you get into this kind of tricky area for retail businesses where they can see that if they don't sell this product within the next one to three days, it's going to become visually unappealing for a customer to choose it over you know, a green banana that they know has two weeks of life on it. So very often we tend to get the misshapen, the you know, smaller items, the, um, you know, the slight scarring on the rind of a fruit or vegetable, um, or even just if a case is not selling as, as quickly as they'd like, right? And they see, okay, we've monitored this produce not selling for two weeks. The food is not bad yet, but we can determine most likely this food's not going to all just sell out magically in the next week. We're going to give this away before it goes bad. So it really comes down to inventory prioritization, but also um, there's, there's the date labeling, right? That's where a lot of food goes to waste. There's differences between best buy, sell buy, and expiration dates, right? Best buy and sell buy dates by no means... Uh, does that mean that the food is inedible or will get you sick? Um, and it's also important to note that the entire food labeling and, and expiration labeling, it's all non-standardized, which means that the FDA does not have anything to do with saying, yes, this food is good or no, this food is not good. They only do that for baby food. So what you have are these companies that are putting their own date labels on the products to their best estimate. But what you have to factor in is they're also factoring in their liability on top of that. Mm. So what they tend to do, especially, especially for non-perishable products and snacks and things that you find on the shelves, you know, shelf-stable products, they're going to put these products as an expiration date or a sell-by date way before it actually gets down to its perishability because they want to make sure from a legal standpoint that that food was out the door and in the garbage long before it started to break down and become something that, God forbid, could get someone sick. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So, of course, that makes sense, right? They want to, it's a liability for them. I, I, I just wonder also too, is like, hey, well, if we set these expiration dates, we know people will have to throw those out and we know they'll have to buy more. Yeah, you know I mean, so yeah, I, right. exactly. That that's a hundred percent true, and um, I, that creates you know even more of like a turnover just after you buy the item, and that's a hundred percent true. Yeah. And Evan, were you you're very knowledgeable, obviously, about this industry <laughs> and what's going on. I mean, your organization is in it, so understandably so. But were you knowledgeable like this before starting the organization? Was food waste something that? always bothered you or was it really that one moment that hit you that created this sort of a change and an impact that you're making? Yeah. Uh, so funny enough, I, I really had nothing to do with the food space and I you know, was not volunteering my time nearly as often as, as I probably should have before I started sharing excess. Um, it was something that really did take me by surprise when it first happened. I uh, was studying entrepreneurship at, at Drexel University. I, I knew that I wanted to do something different than a typical nine to five job. And 
I knew that I wanted to do something meaningful, something that, you know, grabbed my heart and was not uh, something that was just driving me because of money or status or whatever. You know, I'd, I'd seen a lot of people go down that path of, you know, chasing a job or a position or a nine to five that didn't end up with them being happy. Um, you know, even including my own family and the lessons that they that they taught me of, of going for, for what you really love instead of getting, you know, uh, stuck in, in a job that you're not really passionate about. Um, so when I, I was uh, studying entrepreneurship, I knew how to build businesses. I knew uh, what it was like to look up to other entrepreneurs, other people that, that really inspired me, even though, you know, maybe they were in the tech space or uh, even in apparel, other other fields completely outside of food, um, I really did like this idea of bringing people together with a movement. And that was something that I think was fertile ground for this seed of an idea to plant. And as soon as I saw it and I was like, this is something that I could get other people to do and we could do this together and it could become something meaningful, something that I love doing as a job, maybe one day, even though there's no, you know, uh, profit margin and giving away free food, like maybe this could be my job. And, um, that's that, those were all of the sort of, uh, dominoes that, that fell into place for when, um, sharing excess first began. Dude, I love so much that it all started in that situation at school. Right. And you had this pit in your stomach and you knew that the way the system was working or the way that the system was going was not working. And it's just give yourself so much love that you took the leap and you did it, right? So many other people could have had that feeling and been like, eh, what can I do and moved on with their day? You know what I mean? And still love for those people too. You know what I mean? Yeah. But the fact that you were able to have that experience and have that situation and have it impact you so much that now you have really created massive change is incredible and something to Thank feel you. so good about. Of course, man. Thank you. And I, I encourage anyone else too that has those things that they see on a daily basis, something that does make that pit in your stomach or, you know, like something you can't stop thinking about after you go home and you saw it on the street or you saw it at your work or you heard it from a friend, you know, uh, those are sometimes the hidden messages and the breadcrumbs that you need that are calling you to actually do something about it. And it could really, you know, change your entire world and change a lot of other people's worlds as well. And um, I, I totally hear you there, Justin, like that's, you know, what has led me to where I'm at. Yes, man. And what a message too. It's like, turn that pain into something good. Yeah. Right. Turn that negative situation, that pit in your stomach, you know, that, that overwhelming feeling that you're getting of like, this isn't right. Like that is literally a sign from the universe or God or source to be like, Hey, this is an issue. This is clearly yeah. something that is not aligning with you. This doesn't really make sense. And then to, you know, to, again, take that negative situation, take that pain and turn it into something good. Exactly. Right. And that's what's cool about situations like that. Like pain can show us what we don't want. Yeah. Right. And it makes it very obvious then what we do want. And then we can create organizations and feed people. Like yeah. I literally, oh. <laughs> I literally can't get over this, man. Um, and let me ask in, in the grocery stores or the restaurants and stuff like that, if there weren't organizations like yours that exist, it, all that food is just totally being tossed away. Yeah, typically the best uh, possible option, or the, I'd say the easiest option for them if, if an organization isn't uh, available like ours is to just throw it out. You know, it is 
Um, if you think about it, everyone's job is focused in on sales and stocking inventory and doing all of these things that are not related to how do we help the community as well. It's, it's not their fault. It's not something malicious or, or intentional, but that's just how businesses are structured. It's like, we're here to make sales. And when food is, is no longer sellable, then we will, we will put it out for the landfill. Um, and the funny part about this is it actually costs more money to do the wrong thing here. It costs more money to throw it out in a traditional trash truck. So do you guys go, you pick everything up, um, you don't charge the restaurant or the grocery store or anything. They're literally, it doesn't cost them a thing just to hand over this food to you. That's right. That's right. And they even prepare it for us in boxes. So, you know, we're not here like dumpster diving or anything. They, we become a part of their supply chain and it's honestly one of the easiest partnership processes ever. You know, now that we have our establishment, we just go in and we introduce ourselves and we're there to solve a problem that they already hate. You know, no one likes wasting food, especially food businesses that are just made up of human beings like you and I that also hate to see food go to waste that we regularly pay for just to feed ourselves. Um, you know, so when we we go in and, and work with them, um, we're not only able to take that food off their hands free of charge, but we're also able to give them gift receipts, much like you would get at Goodwill if you were donating clothes. Um, only it's for the food, the value of the food. So that chain can actually even write off on their taxes the value of that food and save even more money. Well, so it literally works out well for everybody. Exactly. Right? It's essentially a win-win. Instead of them having to spend money and waste food, now they're not spending that money, tax write-offs, and then we're able to now feed so many people who actually need that food that was just being tossed and going away. That's what we're saying. Yep. Food, it's such an issue in all over the, again, all over the world. It is a massive issue. And again, Evan, thank you for you taking control of the situation and running with it because I've worked in the restaurant industry for years and I would see food getting thrown out and it would break my heart and I didn't do anything about it. You know what I mean? So again, the fact that you did something about it and are continuing to do something about it is just, it's so important because- Right. It's like such a basic right for people to have food. That's right. Right. And it is. And and it's it's so sad for people who have never known what it's like to be full, who literally yeah. cannot, who who don't know where their next meal is coming from. And the fact that you're able to remove that fear out of people's lives, right? And the fact that you're able to give them hope in moments that they're going to be able to survive and feed their family or feed themselves and actually live is just such a powerful gift that you're able to, to give people. It's, it's an honor. And, you know, I, I also want to allow people to see that they're even helping too by, by choosing this and, and by being more sustainable and, and, and actually making use of food excess. You know, those folks are even helping out everything else, all of society by, you know, us being more efficient, right? And that's that's one of the things that we want to ingrain within sharing excess is that um, this is obviously in a very much so needed thing for for people who don't uh, necessarily have that that food security, but they can also be a part of the solution here, and we can all be a part of the solution if we normalize this, right? We mm-hmm. normalize what it's like to share food on a regular basis within a community and not say, hey, this is only for people who can't afford it, or this is you know, only for you know uh, people who are homeless, right? Like 
let's let's start to normalize this. Let's start to bring this out of the shadows, out of the basement food pantries, and let's get this directly in communities, just like a farmer's market. And, you know, at every street corner, at every neighborhood, they have their own food sharing practices. And, you know, let's make, let's ingrain this as second nature within communities so that it's, it becomes part of a culture. And that's really where we see sharing excess going is that our work becomes so granular and so absorbed by communities that we can help them do that. But ultimately, we're not an outside force that's doing that. We're just giving people the tools, the resources, the technology, and the partnerships needed to maximize the food that's going to waste. And um, we, we really believe that communities know the best way and people know the best way to serve themselves. You just need to give them the tools and the opportunity to do so. Um, and the more granular that we can become with this, the more normalized that we can make food sharing and making use of food excess rather than this, you know, stigmatized thing where it's, you know, food pantries that are in basements and, you know, food banks where you feel this, you know, a complete lack of like human respect uh, that you should never ever experience. You know, it should be as close to someone going to a farmer's market on, on their own will or, you know, walking into a grocery store and buying their own food, um, especially when we're literally wasting more than double the food that we need to end food insecurity in our country. Um, it's something that we all need to come together on. What? We're wasting double the food? Yeah, that it's more than double the food that's needed to feed between 30 and 40 million Americans each year. For every, every meal, three meals a day, 365 days a year. Wow. And dude, like, like you're talking about making this just like second nature. And it's like, yeah. why isn't this happening more? It's like the fact that we're even living in a reality right now where this exists, where all that food gets wasted, all these people are going hungry, that this isn't already in the infrastructure or built into the system of not wasting and losing all this food. As I'm like sitting here really reflecting on it, it's like wild. Yeah. It, that that's it where is. we're living. Yeah. It's crazy. And, and there's actually even a dollar figure on what it would cost to end hunger in our country. It's between 30 and $50 billion in direct payments made to Americans. And it does make you question, you know, why hasn't this been done sooner? And it's, it's really crazy, but you know, the decisions come down to a very small group of people who sometimes are very removed from the situations that are happening on the ground. And um, I mean, if you even just look at uh, the other things that are being spent on in, in a budget, right? And you consider even like a military budget where just $5 billion alone goes to the AC costs and the air conditioning costs in the military, right? Like makes you wonder like where, how does food and, and poverty not make it higher up on the scale? And um, yeah, it, it is a very complicated issue. It's something that, you know, I, I think a lot of young folks also think is something that should be seen a lot more simply. People need help. Let's, let's help. Yep. And dude, you're helping do that. You know what I mean? Like you are helping bring the, bringing this to the forefront and to people's minds like mine right now, everyone who's listening, like I I'm, aware that there's food scarcity and we waste a lot of food, but the fact that we get to talk about it now, people get to listen. It's just bringing more and more attention to it. Exactly. Which is just so, so important. Yeah. Uh, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to do that. Oh my, of course, man. Thank you so much for being here and being who you are and creating this and then sharing this. Cause this is, this is huge. Thank you. Um, of course, buddy. And Evan, so we, you had talked about 
you know, taking it out of the hands of an organization and making it more about the culture and making it more about a community doing this. How do you see that happening? Right. Do you, do you have like a vision of, of where our world can go, where this is now more of the norm? Absolutely. And I think the way that it happens is, is just being able to provide people with the tools and also the visual example of it happening, right? So um, the way that we really want to start this off and where we see an opportunity is first with college students. We see an opportunity for us to grow our network through colleges and universities, just like how we started uh, just from day one. Students have this natural energy and ambition and drive to make a difference in their community. And that that example of you know students going out there and partnering with the local grocery stores and restaurants and forming those connections, not only are these future leaders that are doing that and, and folks that are going to go and become uh, you know people who lead companies, lead industries, uh, sit in office one day, um, but they're, they're going to grow up and become the majority one day and then they're going to teach their children, right? And, and it takes time. Hmm. And I think that that's how we can, we can sort of ingrain this over time as we focus in on the youth and we make this a practice that is second nature and something that's really fun to do right now for, for college students we really focus in on that like niche for us where we want to grow. But ultimately, I think the way that we make this more accessible and possible for communities to do on a decentralized level, on a very granular level, is to put the tools in their hands, both from a technology standpoint and a partnership standpoint, where a lot of the food is centralized in the hands of companies and producers and manufacturers, you know, us as, as the people don't normally grow our own food, right? So ultimately, you know, who's in control of the food? It's the corporations, it's the businesses, it's the producers. You know, we do need to get them on board and we need to also hit them in the pockets, right? Where we can make it more financially viable for them to do the right thing than the wrong thing, which is easier, but more expensive. So, um, it's, it's a lot, it's, it's probably a lifetime of work to get it to be that, that level. But right now we think one of the best ways for us at, at sharing excess to grow is by working with colleges and universities throughout the country. I like that, man, right? Going to the younger generation, because they are, like you said, going to be the future leaders of the world and the country. Exactly. Right? And like you said too, it is going to take some time, Yeah. Right? but that's Okay. It's yeah. ra like rather it takes some time and we get this thing going than never get it going at all. You know what yeah. I mean? Because we're afraid or we don't want to do in the work or put in the work because we know it's going to take generations or this excess amount of time. We have to start with an organization like yours in order to get to where we eventually do want to go. Right. So there's right. just these steps that need to be taken and um, you're setting off a nice platform. You know what I mean? This is a great step in that right direction. Um, and of course, buddy. And you guys, do you guys partner with other um, organizations that do similar work that you're doing as well? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we work with over 179 community organizations in the Philadelphia area across 45 zip codes. And these range from shelters to pantries to um, even just organizations that are focusing on gun violence or protecting uh, folks that are in abusive relationships. Um, you know, uh, it, it really runs the gamut uh, depending on, on the time of, of 
the world too. During COVID, we were supporting a lot of different movements that were helping people get tests originally. We would provide food there as an incentive to try and get people to get COVID tests early when the pandemic was first starting. And um, also uh, during elections, like helping for voter turnout and providing food to organizations that don't typically distribute food. Again, we get back to that basic unit of life. You know, how can we help spur other good things happening with just this uh, common unity of food? And um, the other organizations that we work with run all across the, the community spectrum. Um, but we do also love working with other organizations that are specifically focused in on food, like food banks um, and, and other pantries. Uh, and typically what we like to be for them is that logistical last mile solution. So they can work with us to take care of getting the food from point A to point B. And um, we actually work with the largest, uh, the two largest food banks in the entire mid-Atlantic region. And we're able to be one of their largest helpers in terms of food sourcing and then distribution for last mile to uh, smaller organizations. Got it. And do you know, and you might not know this at all, but roughly how many other companies like yours exist? Oh man, I, I would say that there, uh, there's definitely under a hundred in, in the U S um, in terms of like food rescue specifically, there's probably a couple dozen, there's 200 food banks and uh, over 200 food banks in the United States. And a lot of them are part of the feeding America um, uh, network. And then you have the more independent food focused, food surplus focused food rescue organizations, right. That are out there and they're working uh, mostly on a local level or, you know, a regional level. Um, we are probably one of the only food rescue organizations that are working with students, colleges, and universities to rescue food and distribute that out to the community. Um, but yeah, there's really just like low, low numbers. It's kind of a new industry that's popping out food rescue. Got it. And this has been a really great episode for me. Usually... I talk much more during the episodes, but I don't really want to. I want to learn. And you're yeah. the expert in this area. So I want you to be able to speak as much as possible so you can help inform and help people understand what's going on, what are the solutions, and like what we're doing now and what we can do moving forward in order to help in this, in this food crisis. Awesome. I, I love to tell people about it. And the statistics are honestly jarring. They're pretty scary. Um, they you know make you think about things about how it could have gotten this way. And um, the best thing that you can do is just start from this very moment. You know, once you are turned by something, once you are irritated by those numbers or those facts or those statistics, you know, today is the day to then, you know, pick up the phone or pick up the computer and, and figure out like, how you can get involved and make your small contribution, which could one day flourish into a whole movement itself. Yes, put things into action, right? Yes. Because we can sit here and bitch and moan about what's happening and the statistics and how terrible it is and focus on that, right? Because there are going to be some people who are just going to be upset about it and, and focus on that and focus on the negative and be like, all right, this is it. What can we do? There's nothing, right? And that's a lot of energy that's being wasted going towards strictly the problem and just understanding how terrible it is. Exactly. And then there's the other side of the coin where, okay, like we can be aware that these, these things are happening and understand that. And you said it perfectly. It's like, well, today's the day. Yeah. Right? 
let's put our energy and our effort to how we can help the situation, how we can help things moving forward and putting our energy into the positive, into yeah. what can actually be done instead of being drained with the negative and, and, and just being upset with the situation. In, in, exactly. In and, and it's so important to do that now more than ever because the media typically focuses in on the negative. And it's what sells. It's what gets viewership, right? It's in our natural being, in our in our own instincts to pay more attention to danger because that could harm our lives, right? That could, you know, hurt my survival instead yep. of the good things that help me live. Okay, I don't need to keep as close of an eye on that. And, you know, kind of taps into this, like, um, uh, this natural system where uh, we really do naturally focus on the bad things because we're worried and we want to live and we want to survive and we want to prosper. Um, so it's important to note that there is, you know, some manipulation happening there of just what is being presented in front of you. And when you go on the, when you go and uh, you see the news night after night after night, and the first story is always, here's who got shot today, you know, uh, mother died, right? Like, all of these headlines that turn your head and you want to see more, like you're looking at a car crash when you're driving by, um, you know, of course, there's going to be that natural part of you that that always is, is curious about those things. But from a long-term perspective, it's important to balance yourself with seeing the good that's out there and then also not being paralyzed by the bad. And when you see the bad, see if you can help, see if you can step in and, and actually do something about it. Right. And it helps. Totally, man. It's right. It's like knowing that it's there, of course. We have to understand that this problem exists. And it's so true in the news, man. It's just negative, 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 one after another, after another. Yeah. And it seeps into us and in our subconscious. And you nailed it too, where it's like it it's our um it's our survival. It's our ego mm -hmm. that it's easier, simpler, or just seems more natural to focus on, okay, the bad that's happening, so that we can try to ourselves get away from it or at least know that it's there so that we can try to plan so it doesn't happen to us, mm -hmm. right? But it's a whole nother world when we're shifting our consciousness away from just the problem and yeah. focusing much, more, much, much more on the solution. Yep. Because right? that's, that's where we get anything done is only focusing on the solution instead of just focusing on well, what's going wrong and, and, and then that's it. Exactly. You know what I mean? It's all about our attention and our focus and our energy and where are we putting it? Are we putting it towards something that's going to actually create change and change the thing that we're bitching about? Or are we just going to put our focus into the thing that we're bitching about and get nothing done? Right. Exactly. It's like, you know, the same amount of energy that you're putting into, you know, telling everyone else about the bad news, you could be putting into, you know, doing one Thing in the right direction. Exactly. Exactly. And man, Evan, how does it work with you guys just in terms of, so obviously it costs money, right? For you to get trucks and deliver food and, and have workers. Where is that money coming from? Is it mainly donations? Um, how, how does that work exactly? Yeah. So we are set up as a nonprofit 501c3. So we do thrive primarily off of donations. A lot of it coming from corporations that we work with and the food businesses that we end up being, you know, this symbiotic relationship with, um, or universities, sometimes uh, donors that that run their own foundations, family foundations, they like what we're doing and they, they seed us and they fund us. Um, we do also offer for the public to be able to support us for every dollar that's donated to sharing excess we're able to deliver 10 pounds of food which roughly equates to eight meals wow. um and we we really appreciate it um although 
you know, uh, we don't want to be always out there, like asking at every moment, you know, to, to get funding um, from, from, you know, the, the general population. We try to get most of our funds from corporations and grants and foundations that are setting aside, you know, lots of money to be able to do this stuff. Um, although, you know, we really haven't even raised that much to be doing what we're doing. A lot of it is bootstrapped and DIY. You know, we like, for example, this refrigerator behind me, um, you know, we saved like $15,000 by building it ourselves. Um, got this forklift over here donated to us by a a family that really knew that we needed a forklift. And um, we've uh, been doing a lot of, you know, uh, just sort of bootstrapping and and DIY sourcing to uh, run this whole company. But um, yeah, it definitely gets expensive. Um, so we are looking for more sustainable ways to fund this, right? And we have found that we have gotten revenue from what we're doing where we actually are providing a service to these big food businesses. We're saving them tens of thousands of dollars and we can prove that on paper and we can implement a service fee so that we can cover what we're doing and they can even still save money. But right now we're still in that startup phase where we're figuring out exactly where the sustainable funds are coming from. Do we go all of it coming from grants and government and foundations, or do we start getting more creative about how we ask the public to crowd, uh, you know, crowdfund what we're doing, or maybe we create a more sustainable business model of, Hey, if you're going to work with us and we're going to save you money, here's how much it costs per month. But we're testing all of those things, and right now it's been working. Cool, man. Thank you for that. That uh, that definitely helps in the understanding of of how the whole system works. And I, I like that too. In in terms of like the restaurants or the grocery stores or wherever you're getting your food from, charging them just a small fee, right? They're still saving money, it, and, and it's still just beneficial for everybody. Yeah. And- Dude, very like um, humble of you, right? To to say like we don't want to go crazy asking the general public uh, for donations. We don't want to like put that pressure on them. And I I, I feel you, man. I, I get that. And especially where you're coming from, not wanting to be like greedy or be like you have to give us money. But I, I see it from like another side. I see it as it's an opportunity for people to help, and it's an opportunity for people to give because again, in helping and giving. That is such a gift for the person who is actually doing it. Yes. You know what I mean? Right. Yep. And somebody exactly. could view. Yeah. And we, um, and that, that's something that, you know, even just personally, right? Like starting a company and then people donating to this thing that I started, like in the beginning, I think I was seeing it all wrong, right? Like exactly like you were saying, like I was seeing it as, oh, well, I, you know, I don't want my friends to donate to, to my thing, but in reality, it wasn't my thing ever, right? Like this is just a pass through for people to make impact and sharing excess is literally a vehicle for other people to make that impact that they already naturally want to make. And if we can do that, then, then we're doing a meaningful service by providing an opportunity for people to either directly get involved and volunteer and food share themselves, or if they want to donate a dollar and get 10 pounds of food to people who really need it, then they can do that too. So you're totally right. And um, yeah, that is something just a funny world in the nonprofit scene that you kind of have to figure out. It's like, all right, I'm not you know asking this corporation for $25,000 for my company. It's for movement. It's for actual good that's happening. 
Exactly. And Evan, you're just a good guy. You know what I mean? You're, you're literally like, shit, like, I don't want to, you know, bug people too much for my company. And it all comes from a, a great place. You know what I mean? It all comes from a very loving place. But right, and it, it completely, it's a complete paradigm shift when you look at it as like, oh, I don't really want to bother people or ask them for something. Or when you look at it from the other way of, hey, we're making a massive difference. We can change the world. We can provide food. And this also gives the person donating. Literally, you're, you're, giving them a gift and giving yeah. them the ability to donate, right? And if you, even if you're not really asking, you can think about it in this way. If you don't ask them to donate, you're taking away a, that gift from that person. To feed <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I need that perspective a little bit more. <laughs> that's, that's true. Um, and no, it, it's 100% right. And like what we're doing here is kind of magical, right? Like we're yes. getting this food for free, but it takes it does take money to actually go out there and get it and move it. Right. And that's what the funding goes towards. The funding doesn't go towards buying the food because the food is, is free technically. Um, but from a retail standpoint and we track everything, we're very, very big on data and statistics and we're tracking everything that we do. We weigh all of the food that we capture on electronic scales and we have a mobile app where we track everything constantly, all of our drivers and our volunteers. And to date, we've delivered over $10 million worth of food to communities in need. And, you know, we've done that on just a fraction of that amount of money, a fraction of a fraction of that. Um, and that's one of the things that drives us to realize, okay, like we are providing way more value than, you know, we're, we're taking in here. So we feel good about that, but we do need to even the scales for, you know, sustainable growth. Yeah, you're you're providing tremendous value, right? And then also, if you're just getting a little extra money from whoever, from people, from other organizations, it just allows you to make a bigger impact, right? Yeah. It's not Evan getting this money and you being greedy or being selfish. It's like with that money coming in, it allows you to do more good in the world and just to feed more people. That's right. Right, my man. And Evan, where do you see this going? Like, do you, do you see it, you know, growing across the country, moving outside of, of uh, Philly? Like what? I know you have the vision of the future of, of helping people. And I think that it's beautiful. But you guys specifically, where do you see you physically being in this country? Absolutely. So uh, we we are based in the Philadelphia area, uh, but we have this chapter system, right, where we can start at colleges and universities as a student organization. And then that can kind of matriculate and mature into a nonprofit, into an organization. And we've seen that same growth here in the Philadelphia area. You know, we've got Drexel, Temple, St. Joe's, UPenn, University of Pittsburgh as well. Um, and that has formed the network that we have here. And we can see that same seeding process happen in other cities. So we actually got a bus donated to us a couple of months ago that we are renovating and turning into a free food road trip vehicle um, that we're going to take to 13 cities in October. And we're driving across the U.S. and popping up at different universities and giving out food and working with food donors to do exactly what we do here in Philly every day, just each day at a different city. Um, and we're going to just seed it and see what happens. We're going to put the word out there. We're going to you know, be giving out lots of our, our stuff and our merchandise and um, really clear ways for people if they want to start it in their area. You know, here's the first step. Here's the, you know, the uh, portal you log in and here's how you get in contact with us. And um, we're going to see what happens. But 
ultimately we want to grow through the university system throughout the United States. And we want to kind of just see what happens after this road trip, not saying, oh, this city is going to be perfect or this one or this one. We're just going to visit them all and see kind of like which one naturally has that fruition to want to start next um, and help them grow in the same way that we've done here. And ultimately, if we can create a national network and we can kind of create these branches in each city where here in Philadelphia, we have this brick and mortar space, right? Like I found this warehouse off of Facebook Marketplace and um, and we turned it into a food bank, right? And we made all these things happen without rocket science, without a whole lot of funding. Like we can replicate this and working with students too, we provide them internship opportunities, work study opportunities, part-time opportunities. They're doing this during classes. So we can have like essentially this virtual workforce all across the United States of students that are, are working just even just on Zoom like we are now. You know, I even even met some of our closest team members before. They're in other parts of the country, sometimes even internationally, like India and Puerto Rico. Um, and we've been able to do we've been able to do here for Philly and people haven't even been here. So we do see that there's going to be this like decentralized network that is established through colleges and universities first. Um, but then where we go from there, I think just in the name itself, sharing excess is not just meant to be one compartmentalized section, right? It wasn't just meal swipes and it wasn't just grocery stores. It grew from there. So we see a natural progression of going beyond food to also other basic supplies and basic needs, whether that's clothing or housing or even excess time and mentorship. Um, there's so much that we could be doing with just the excess that is wasted in so many different degrees across our society of humanity. Boom, man. Just blew my mind <laughs> with that. Because in my this whole conversation, I'm like, food, 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 food. But you, I love that you, you're steering the ship here, man. I have so much faith and confidence in who you are. Your passion <laughs> radiates through you when you talk about this. That means a lot. Thank you very much. <laughs> of course, man. And the fact you're talking about it in, in so many other realms, what other things are in excess that we're able to help and supply people? Like the right. fact like mentorship and like stuff like that, it's like, no. oh my, wow. There's just like, oh, there's almost like infinite areas that you guys could delve into that you could help. Uh, exactly. Unreal, man. So cool that you're thinking about taking... I'm so glad I asked that question. Because <laughs> that really just blew my mind that you're taking it outside of even food. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And we get asked all the time, you know, folks are always asking us like, hey, can you make use of, you know, a huge wardrobe of clothes or, you know, e even cars, right? We get cars donated to us on a regular basis. And we, you know, sometimes we're like, hey, we can't, you know, we can't take that. But when we have the infrastructure and when we can really be like as immediate in terms of point A to point B, we want to get those supplies over to where it's needed most and be close on both sides, be close on the supplier side with excess and then the scarcity side where the need is and knowing just like you were connecting two telephone wires, you know, where does it need to go and what's the most efficient path to get it there. Mm. And one day we'd love to even take this internationally. You know, there are 
if you can think about it, like shipping containers and boats that are going across the ocean and planes flying all across the world that have excess space in there from a logistical standpoint where we can be maximizing even logistical space for transportation of getting food from the U.S. to where it's really needed, like in Afghanistan right now. You know, if we had a, a really solid logistical network that was focused in on, you know, whether it's philanthropic work or community work, you know, that that could change the world in a lot of ways. It's all about moving resources to where they're needed most, putting out fires and growing gardens in other places where you need to do it. Um, but uh, yeah, that that's, you know, I want us to be like the Amazon of free food one day. Yes, Evan, <laughs> feed the world, dude. <laughs> I love that the um, the Amazon of this that yeah. is a vision. Yeah, yeah. It it probably needs a lot more money than we have um but hey that's that's the next step and one thing I always believe in is you know the more people that find out about this the more smart minds are going to want to get involved with what we do and maybe they have that that crystal ball idea that's like, Hey, here's how you can make this sustainable without, you know, going after the money of the very people that you're trying to help. Right. Um, right. and it is tricky. Like a startup is tough, but a nonprofit startup is really tough to scale on a national level. So, um, we are, yeah, we, we love it though. It's very challenging. Um, but it has, yeah, again, it has brought us to just heights and people that we never thought we would have, have ever encountered. Awesome, man. And honestly, th this whole situation is just very uplifting to me. You know what I mean? Because we have somebody like you who started this organization. Obviously, we, don't, we know all the benefits of the organization. And there's people who donated the forklift. You know, yeah. there's people who are just donating things because out of the goodness of their heart and who they are, people are coming together to make this happen. Right. There's something so incredibly special in that. Yeah. They're don't, the people who donate stuff to you, they might not be getting anything from that, right? The person who donated the forklift, like, what did they get? Yeah. Yeah. Like, exactly. Yeah. They, they may not have gotten anything physical, but I, they got, again, one of the greatest gifts ever because they were able to donate and to give to somebody, right? Yeah. So this whole situation, it's very cyclical of just how beautiful it is and can be when we come together to help each other out. Exactly. It's, it's something that I think is innate within us, you yes. know, animals share, right. And we like sometimes as like a team group uh, activity, like we, we like to highlight some of the animals that like naturally practice food sharing in, in nature. And um, when, when we see that in nature, when we see societies of, you know, whether that's insects or mammals that actually take care of themselves as a survivalistic practice. You see them thrive and you see the numbers are, are super high and, and their entire ecosystem is a lot more healthy because they have naturally ingrained this, this ideology that we ought to be taking care of the bottom line um, as well as ourselves and as well as looking to the top. Um, and I think that when a society doesn't think like that, it deteriorates from the bottom up. And very often when you're talking numbers, you know, the people that, that are at the highest wealth um, tend to be in the lowest percentile of, of the population. And that just is unsustainable itself. And it, it's only a matter of time until there's an upheaval or there's an entire collapse of the society. So 
you know, I, I say to the people that want to stay in power and the rich that want to stay rich, you know, the best way to do that is to actually make it more equitable for everyone to survive. Um, and the conversation is becoming even more pertinent, just looking at what's happening with the environment, what's happening with the imbalance of wealth in our country and in, across the world. Um, and that the fact that like our generations are going to have to deal with a lot of the problems that we were inherited with. And um, there's literally like a ticking time bomb of, uh, you know, a death clock, essentially, of environmental damage that's happening for species all across our planet. And it's all interrelated, whether it's, you know, food through sharing excess or it's, you know, the climate change and it's the reports that are coming out that are making people realize, like, we do all need to come together really soon and figure out how we take care of each other and live on this same planet that's floating through space. And the biggest thing that's at jeopardy is our survival itself. It's like we're living on this planet that nobody actually owns. Yeah. Right. I know that we think that we do and we want to own things, but in reality, nobody owns anything. Yeah. Exactly. And it's like if we can understand that more and understand that we're just like literally sharing everything. And if we can come together and more love and support of each other, as opposed right. to, well, let me do this so I can be better than you or be higher than you or be richer than you. That's why, like, this organization, this whole situation is just, it's, it's like, uh, it's, uh, light needs to be shined on it, right? Because this is like the epitome of a beautiful world, right? In terms of us, yes, in terms of us helping each other and being there for each other and giving. Like if we just could adopt this more and more through every country and every civilization, the, the reality we live in would drastically, drastically change. Exactly. And that leads me into just the, the last question. So Evan, this is the question I ask every single guest. Um, and you as well are already doing it. Uh, but it's always just interesting to, to hear the answer anyway. Uh, so my biggest goal in life, Spread Love Movement, is to help shift the collective consciousness of the planet, right? To be in a place that's more sharing and more forgiving and more loving, more supportive of each other, more one and more together, right? So Evan, what do you feel like you are doing personally or with sharing excess on a daily basis that is helping with this consciousness shift to this much better, beautiful place that I know we all want it to go? Uh, yeah, that, that's a great question. And I, I think it absolutely has come out through what I'm doing with sharing excess. But ultimately, I, I think what I, I want to do and I want to continue to do is put equity equitability and my own uh, like equity of, of helping others or, or putting, you know, myself and my energy into relationships and um, love with other people so that that bond that's created now is something that is unbreakable. You know, when you care for a community, when you put food out in that community, or you spend time in that community, you volunteer, you clean up the street, you now have put your own equity into it and you want to see it succeed. And if we could do that with like the most basic building block of just food, right? And you give food to your neighbor that now creates a bond where you want to see that person succeed because you put equity into them, right? And you want to see them grow. So I think we need to have more of those like giving relationships of I invested in you 
through my you know relationship or through my love or through food or through money, whatever it is. And now I have a stake to see you succeed instead of these, you know, barriers that are kind of created from just your own self path of like, you know, do what's good for you. And of course, I'm all about like self-love and self-care. And you absolutely should be looking out for yourself, number one, so that you can look out for others. Right. But um, I, I do think that there is a whole lot just in, in culture and mainstream that's like, get yours, like get your money and like, you know, forget everyone else. But that ultimately leads to sadness and, and life is better shared and time after time again. And, you know, you go on a, on a journey by yourself to the most beautiful, magnificent place. Like often the very thing that you're yearning for is to share that with just one other person. And um, if we think about that journey, as just life itself. Like let's try to make as big of a family as we can. Let's try to make as close of friendships as we can with, everyone that's physically around us and realize that it is an absolute miracle that we're even here to begin with. And that all there is, is just what's in front of us now. And maybe this is heaven, you know, maybe there there is nothing after this, like maybe the real, you know, the real magic to it and the real, um, you know, just, just the, the real thing is that this is it. This is, where you are meant to actually, you know, do uh, what you would do if you were in utopia or heaven. Like, let's make this the place that um, that that we really want to make the best in the world. And um, yeah, sorry if I'm rambling. I tend to go off, but dude, that uh, was beautiful. That's what that, I think. That was a beautiful response. That really, like, really connected to me on so many different levels. Cool. And right, it boils down to it's like love and connection instead of separation. Yeah. It's not I'm here and you're there, Evan. It's like we're one. We are literally one and together, and we need to look at each other in that way. Yeah. Right, where it's like if you're not doing well, well, then that affects me, and I'm actually not doing well either. Exactly. Right, exactly. because we're one. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the more that we see that, the more – that we realize and, and, you know, actually track backwards that if you don't take care of someone that it's going to actually affect you in the future, right. It would make us be more proactive about, you know, taking care of each other first and foremost. And we're seeing the effects of that. Now we're seeing the, you know, whether it's the uprisings or the temperatures rising or whatever it is, we're seeing the detrimental effects of us not thinking proactively about how to take care of people of the world of of you know everything that that needs attention that requires you to not take the maximum profit that you can take from it you know when are we going to realize that we have to be equitable and you know not take everything um i think we're going to be forced to learn that uh just in the, in the years and the decades ahead but um, I'm, I'm glad that a lot of organizations, a lot of people like you are, are doing that right now. Thanks, buddy. Damn, man. Evan, this has been, uh, this has been great. I, um, I really am I'm honored just to bring more attention to this. Um, just in every moment, just try, you know, be as grateful as possible. And uh, this has opened my mind and my eyes to this problem more than it ever has before. You know what I mean? And again, there's always like the knowledge that's, that it's happening. but 
that knowledge is very uh, surface level for me in the past. You know what I mean? And this really helps paint a picture of really what's happening and what can be done in order to solve this literally crisis that we're, that we're going through. And I just, it always, to me, it always circles back to love. Yeah. If we can just love and care for each other and see that person that's starving as me, because that's truly what it is. That yeah. me and that other person are one. We're not separate. Yeah. And if we can remove the I, 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 I from everything and understand that we are the collective I, the collective one, yeah. and we actually can live that way. Like everyone, just sit and be with that for a minute. For a minute, like think about the euphoria and the literal heaven that we could live in on this earth, in this realm, right now, if we just accepted and understood our oneness and stopped seeing ourselves as separate, and then stopped seeing ourselves as competitors or just different from one another. Yeah, it's all an yeah. illusion. It, it is. is. It is. Evan, my man, before we cut out, buddy, if you could just let people know where they can find sharing excess, where they can donate, uh, you know, online, social media, and where they can find you as well. Sure. Um, so I definitely encourage everyone to just go to sharing excess on, on Instagram and follow us first and foremost. That's the best way to keep up to date on what we're doing. And you can see exactly who we are and what our life and our world looks like. Um, and if you want to get involved and you want to donate and I'd really appreciate that. Our whole team would be really, really grateful if you want to get involved in any way whatsoever. Um, just go to sharingexcess.com um, and you'll see right there how you can either volunteer, you can become a part of our team if you're in a college or university or even just involved in your community and you want to start a chapter. We have all the avenues for you to do that. And we're just normal people uh, just like you. So if you reach out and you have an idea or you just want to say hi, we're going to respond back. And um, we really look forward to to hearing you and to meeting you. And uh, and just thanks. Thanks again, Justin, for having me. Like this is uh, an honor of a lifetime. And, um, you know, not many people uh, give an opportunity to to show stuff like this happening and um, really appreciate you taking the opportunity to, to do that today. So um, it is my pleasure. And uh, I, I just wish you the best and and so appreciate what you're doing. Of course, man. Ah, what a good guy. Evan <laughs> literally could not be more thrilled that you are, that this is your company. I, I, it's wild. I feel like safer knowing that you're doing <laughs> I got you. Don't worry. We're going to take care of it. <laughs> Seriously. So good. And everybody, if you have any inclination to reach out to Evan or sharing excess, just jump on it. Do it. Reach out. Give if you can. Feel fulfilled. It's going to feel amazing for you with any donation or any time, any volunteering, anything that you can do. Not only are you going to make a massive impact for the people who you are going to provide this food for, you are going to feel incredible as well. Thank That's you. awesome. Of course, man. That's always like the great thing. We, we always think about like by giving, we focus on the other person, which is great because the other person is really going to receive it. But us ourselves. It is a beautiful thing to give and to help and to volunteer and do those things because it feels amazing exactly. for us as well. Exactly. And studies show that you live longer when you do it. Every single society that they've done those studies in, they show when you are meaningfully involved in your community, either through volunteering or through philanthropy, you live longer lives. So, um, you know, it's, it's for your own, for your own good. Too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it just, that, that's the thing. It works out well for everybody. It's not like, uh, you know, I got to sacrifice and or that yep. person you know it's not one or the other it's end and everybody feels great yeah, exactly yes. evan my dude you are a beautiful soul buddy i i appreciate you being here so much and all the work that you are doing 
Everybody, thank you for kicking it with me and Evan for a little bit. Uh, I hope this just opened your mind a little bit more to the crisis that is going on and the beautiful work that, that so many people are doing in order to provide food for people who need it. Whew. All right, my man, Evan, everybody. Thank you, Justin. This is awesome and uh, so happy to be here. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And it's been an honor. Awesome. Everybody, we love you so much. We'll see you next time.